Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson. Papa, can you tell me a story? Do you really want me to tell you a story? (laughs) Well, you go get your brother and your sisters and I will tell you a story. Welcome to Devotions with Dr. Papa where we look into the written word which reveals to us the living word, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. Gather around, grab your Bibles, and let's dive into the scriptures. Well, if you remember, we've been looking at the upside-down house. We've been looking at the upside-down values and principles of the kingdom of God, which compared to the values and principles of the kingdom of this world— cause your house and your life to look entirely different, entirely antithetical and opposite to the house of your neighbor who may be living by the values of the kingdom of this world. Well, I want to talk a little bit more today about conflicting worldviews when it comes to finances. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, we see a conflicting worldview. Um, Jesus talks on the Sermon on the Mount about this whole idea of giving. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. My goodness, that's a kingdom of God perspective, isn't it? Now, let me compare that to the perspective of one of my patients. And this patient is deceased long ago, but he was a man who who had three different wives over many years, and he had lots of children by three different wives, but he also had lots of lawyers. As he was constantly trying to uh, engage lawyers to help him not have to give any of his money to any of his former wives or the children that he bore by those wives. And whenever I saw him in my medical office, he was always distressed by the amount of money he was spending on his lawyers and by the amount of money that he was having to fork over to his previous two wives. His whole attitude was get it while the getting's good. He was a very tight-fisted, greedy man. And what was interesting was that he was a churchgoer, and he laughed up his sleeve at those who gave to the church or to the poor or to missions. He was a churchgoer, and because, and I say that because I recall very clearly him uh, ridiculing our pastor when the pastor taught on tithing and giving. His kingdom of this world philosophy is get all you can, can all you get, sit on the lid, and poison the rest. The more I knew him, I realized that his philosophy was look out for yourself and let the rest sink. Well, you have to contrast that with the parable that Jesus taught about the rich man in Luke chapter 12, 
verses 16 through 21. And I, and I wonder if this friend of mine, who was actually a very wealthy man, uh, he had lots of property, he had lots of rental property, and he had accumulated a, a, a great deal of assets in his life. And he wasn't willing to share it with, with the poor and he certainly wasn't willing to share it with his former wives or many of the children that he bore with those former wives. Well, one day when Jesus was teaching, a, a man came to him and, and, and says to him, he says, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. And Jesus said to him, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? Then he looks at the whole crowd and he says, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Now, I wonder if my my patient, who was a wealthy man, had ever heard Jesus say that. And then Jesus told a parable. The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? And that's a good question for all of us to ask ourselves. Who will own what we have stored up and saved for retirement when we're dead and gone? Think about that. Then Jesus concludes the parable by saying, So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, there's a good question. What does it mean to be rich toward God? Now, that's a message in itself. That's another question for another day. What does it mean to be rich toward God? I'm writing that down, and I'm going to save it for another day. And we're going to come back one day, and we're going to answer that very question. What does it mean to be rich toward God? But I encourage you to ponder that question and ask it yourself. What does it mean for me to be rich toward God? And I ask you, do you think my patient was rich toward God, this greedy grasping, church-going man? Was he rich toward God when he wasn't willing to share any of his assets with his former wives (laughs) or his former children? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. And in fact, Jesus, in Matthew 16, 26, asked a question. He said, what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world, yet in the end he loses his own soul? So let me ask you another question. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, I didn't ask that question. Jesus asked that question. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? I read a discipleship book one time, and in the introduction to the book, the author of the book tells a story of of graduating from college and going down to New Orleans to be uh, entertained by a company that wanted to hire him. It was an import-export company. And they imported bananas from South America, brought them to New Orleans. They repackaged them and sold them all over the United States. And they spent a whole weekend showing him their their enterprise. And on late Sunday afternoon, they brought him in. They they showed him a a, a package of benefits and, and salary and everything. And several executives sat with him. 
Uh, and, and, and after they explained the whole package to him, they looked at him and made this statement. They said, son, we're willing to hire you. This is your package. And he says, we want you to understand that if you come to work for us, we want you to give your life in exchange for our bananas. Well, that didn't sit well with him at all because he was a God-fearing Christian young man. He had given his life to the Lord Jesus Christ prior to that. And he said he knew that he could never give his life in exchange for bananas. He'd already given his life in exchange for the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a disciple and follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they put it to him that way, he knew immediately that he could never work for that company. He could never give his life in exchange for bananas. He could give his life in exchange for anything other than being a disciple and follower of Jesus Christ. And to their shock and dismay, he turned them down immediately and he left. This man went on to form a very large disciple-making organization that discipled college students and military recruits. Well, here's the question. What are you giving your life in exchange for? Is it bananas or something similar? Or are you giving your life in exchange for making disciples, winning the loss, and building the kingdom of God? In Matthew 6 and verse 24, Jesus said that no man can serve two masters. We know that. You can't ride two horses. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and wealth. You have to make a choice. Most of us live our lives as if everything we have belongs to us. You see, that's the kingdom of this world perspective. The kingdom of God perspective is that we are slaves in our master's house. We are stewards of his possessions. The parable of the talents makes so much more sense from the perspective of a steward in God's house, in God's kingdom. We don't own our time or our talents or our treasure. We merely invest it for our master, whom we both love and reverence. We want to present to him the greatest possible return on investment. The kingdom of God perspective is that Everything we have belongs to Him. It is God who gives us the possibility and the power to make wealth. God owns everything, the heavens and the earth and everything in it. And it all exists for His glory. And everything that I own, everything that I possess, everything that I'm able to create, I want it all to be used for the glory of God. The kingdom of this world perspective says, get all you can and hold on to it tightly. Now, for the last two weeks, I've had 15 of my 18 grandchildren in my home. And it has been a delightful two weeks. I just love those little grandchildren. I just could squeeze them till their eyeballs pop out. It's just so much fun. But 
these little grandchildren remind me of Daffy Duck. You remember the cartoon with Daffy Duck where he would grab a hold of things and he would just say, mine, 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 mine. Well, some of my little grandchildren that are under two or three years of age, they're so territorial. They're so possessive of toys or food or other items. And I'll see them grab on with two fists and they'll look at their other cousins and they'll just say, mine, mine, mine. And it's just so funny. It's almost ludicrous. But let me tell you a secret. I see adults do the very same thing. Sometimes I see Christian adults do the very same thing. Now contrast that with the kingdom of God perspective, which says to you and me to hold on with a very light grasp. Because we understand that what we have is not really ours, but it belongs to God. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, Jesus said that to give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men pour into your lap. Now let me ask you, does that make any sense to you? Is that logical by the world's principles? by the world's understanding. No, of course not. And you see, the challenge is for you and me is to not have a heart attach. Now, I didn't say heart attack. I said a heart attach. In other words, I don't want my heart to be attached to the things of this world because the things of this world don't belong to me. They belong to God. And He wants me to keep the things of this world in circulation. He wants me to take the things that he gives to me and he wants me to give them to the poor, to the needy, to the church, to charity, to missions. And he promises me that if I give them, that he's going to give me more so that I can keep it in circulation, that I can give more. Now, is that logical? Of course not. It's not logical. The values of the kingdom of God are not always logical. The principles of the kingdom of God are not always logical. For example, well, 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 let me put it to you this way. This requires faith, which is the catalyst for all the upside-down principles in the kingdom of God. Now, now, remember that. Park that on the sideline there, that it requires faith. That is the catalyst for all the upside-down principles in the kingdom of God. Now, here's the example. I have patience who cohabit without marrying in order to obtain tax benefits. And I often ask them, I look at them and they look like they're reasonable, logical people. And I will say, why don't you marry? You've lived together. You're not going to leave each other, are you? And they'll say, no. And I'll say, well, why don't you get married? And they say, well, if we get married, we lose our tax benefits. And I say, well, well, I mean, aren't, don't you value the sanctity of marriage? And they'll say, of course, Dr. Jackson, we do, but we don't want to lose our tax benefits. You see, they have a choice. They can live together and enjoy the blessings of government, or they can marry and enjoy the blessing of God. Now, financially, enjoying the blessing of God doesn't make financial sense. This requires faith. Remember, that's the catalyst for the principles of the kingdom of God. This requires faith. It requires trusting that God honors those who obey Him. Giving to the church 
giving to charity, giving to the poor, giving to missions, all requires faith in God's ability to honor your willingness to operate by kingdom values, even when it's not logical and doesn't make financial sense. You remember the story when Jesus was at the treasury in the temple and he was watching the people come and give their money into the treasury box and he saw the widow, the poor widow come and she gave two copper coins. We call it the widow's mite. And he looked at the disciples and he said that this woman has given more than all the rest. The disciples looked at each other perplexed because they'd seen the wealthy people come in and they'd obviously put in much larger sums of money. And then Jesus explained and he said, these wealthy folks have given out of their excess, but this poor widow woman has given all that she had. Now, what was she going to buy bread with tomorrow? How was she going to live tomorrow? She gave everything that she had. Did that make any logical financial sense? Of course, it did not. But you see, this woman understood Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, where God accused the Israelites of being God robbers, where they were not giving their tithe into God's storehouse. And God said to them, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Now listen, throughout Scripture, God challenges the people not to test Him, except in this one matter. In the matter of finances, God challenges the people to test Him. He is willing for them to test him by faith. And the same principle in the kingdom of God applies to you and me. Even though it may not be logical by the values and principles of the kingdom of this world, God says to you and me, test me. He says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, shall men pour into your lap. You see, faith is the catalyst that makes all the principles of the kingdom of God function smoothly. Test me in this, is what God says. The widow, she understood that, and she was willing to test God. Are you willing to test God in the area of your finances by living, by by being a regular, faithful, cheerful giver? I say cheerful because God loves a cheerful giver, not a begrudging giver. I advise my Christian friends to give the first fruits to God. That means you give to God before you pay any of your monthly expenses. That way you discharge your first financial highest priority first, and you trust God with all of the rest. You see, I don't want to get to heaven and have to explain to God that I couldn't give to him or to the poor because my cable bill was too high. (laughs) You catch my drift? All right. Well, those are the financial principles of an upside-down house. And you understand, brothers and sisters, that if you and I live by these kind of principles, your life 
and your house will obviously be different from your neighbor's house who operates by the values of the kingdom of this world. And you will be a curiosity. Now, let me say this to you before I conclude. Understand clearly that if you are not a spirit-led, spirit-controlled believer, understanding these principles will be difficult. Applying these principles will be impossible. It is imperative that you, every day, on your knees, say to the Spirit of God, I belong to you, and I trust you to sit on the throne of my heart, throne of my life, and live the life of Jesus through me. You and I must be spirit-led, spirit-controlled believers if we are to apply and understand the principles of the kingdom of God. Apart from the empowering presence of Holy Spirit in our lives, these principles are not just incomprehensible, we simply cannot apply them in our lives. More than that, when you try to explain this to your friend or relative or business associate or neighbor, it's going to be incomprehensible and illogical to them. Or if they have a little smidge of understanding, they will not have the supernatural ability to apply it in their life. When I share this with my patients, I must first take them to first base, which is being born again. Because if people do not possess the life of God, how can they understand or apply these principles in their life? And then I take them to second base, which is practicing the disciplines of the Christian life, abiding in the Word and abiding in prayer. And then thirdly, I take them to third base, which is the Spirit-filled Christian life. And I help them to understand how they can be a Spirit-led believer. When you counsel with your friends, you must do the same thing. Make sure they're born again into the kingdom of God. Make sure that they are abiding in the word and abiding in prayer. And then help them understand the spirit-led Christian life. For you see, the principles of the kingdom of God are incomprehensible and impossible to apply without being born again, without abiding in Jesus, abiding in the word and in prayer. And number three, without being led and empowered by Holy Spirit. Now, if you want further information about those things, I would refer you to my second book, The Family Doctor Speaks, The Truth About Seed Planting, Equipping Believers for Evangelism. I have chapters devoted to each one of those first, second, and third base that I think will help you to not only instruct yourself, but make you competent to counsel with new believers and and folks that may be your friends or relatives or neighbors that want to grow in the Christian life. If you go to Jackson Family Ministry, you can find where you can purchase one of those books. Well, our time is up. We'll be back next week, and we'll discuss a little bit further about the values of the kingdom of God as we talk about the upside-down house. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.